Welcome to the Someone to Tell It To podcast. We started Someone to Tell It To in 2012, and all along, our philosophy has been to listen. Because our mission is to cultivate meaningful connections through compassionate listening and to train others to do the same, we thought it might be best to highlight both aspects, listening and training in a podcast. Both listening and training continue to catalyze this global listening movement where someone's voice is being heard, someone is being reminded that they matter, and someone doesn't need to feel alone in whatever they are facing. We will be posting two episodes each month to start. One will highlight training because we can all benefit from learning how to become better listeners. The second will highlight how listening has played a vital role in an individual's journey. We are so excited to share these rich conversations with you. We've spent a lot of time trying to figure out what to call the people we listen to. You know, are they clients, friends, storytellers? Nothing quite fit. So we wanted a name that represented the type of relationship we try to build and the way we value those we listen to. But the fact is we struggled. We struggled to find a single word that could accomplish what we realized, what we needed. So in the end, we were surprised to find the answer that was staring right at us. Someone. Someone with a story to share. Someone who needs a friend. Someone who is grieving, angry, lonely, afraid, or has questions about matters of faith. Someone who simply needs someone to listen. We always hope to establish a mutual relationship between friends who are sharing life's journey together. So that means that you are someone. You have a story worth sharing. You have inherent worth. You deserve to be seen, heard, and known. It also means that we are someone. We have stories of our own. We value knowing, showing up and listening and compassion. We want everyone to know the joy of engaging in meaningful relationships. You'll see us using this refreshed terminology from now on. And when you see it or hear it, we hope it makes you smile. You are someone. In a listening space, Vulnerability is welcomed, and all thoughts and emotions are accepted. It is not a space for asking clever questions or rushing in to make things better. Instead, we work in the assumption that people make useful choices when they are encouraged to gain awareness of themselves and do their own thinking. So has written Tamsin Hartley, our guest on the Someone to Tell It To podcast today. Tamsin is married and is the mother of three. She and her family live in Beverly, England, and is the author of The Listening Space, A New Path to Personal Discovery. She is a coach and a trainer. And welcome, Tamsin. We are so happy to have you on the program today. You are our first international guest. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for inviting me along. How does that feel? (laughs) Well, um, as I was saying a little earlier, a little intimidating given the guests that you've been interviewing. I, I, I was just thinking to myself, um, yeah, <laughs> these amazing podcasts you've done and, and now little old me. <laughs> we don't feel that way at all. That's right. You, uh, you Tamsin, are going to only enhance uh, this whole series. So uh, <laughs> we're grateful to have you. <laughs> For our, for our listeners, we want you to know that we met Tamsin in person last summer in Dublin, Ireland, when all of us were attending the International Listening Association annual convention uh, together. And we immediately felt a synergy with Tamsin, with you and, and the work that you've been doing. Uh, we remember you asking us very uh, probing and interested questions about our work and, and our mission. And over the months since our initial uh, meeting, Uh, We've continued to have several virtual meetings with Tamsin over Zoom, and each of them has only deepened our respect for you, Tamsin, and our desire to collaborate with you on this listening movement. 
So we want to ask you, so, you know, now it's our turn <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. ask uh, what we hope will also be probing and interested questions about, about you. Um, first, uh, you say that you believe in the uh, transformative power of listening deeply to ourselves and to others. How would you say listening transforms us deeply? You know, what is that power that it has? I think one of the really important things is when we listen, um, when we're listened to, it reminds us that we matter. Um, there's a quote from an author called Nancy Klein. Um, I don't know if you've come across. And it really, um, it really resonated with me. And she says, um, people shine not in the glow of your charisma. They shine in the light of your attention for them. They shine when you remind them that they matter. And I think that um, can be so transformative because they remind people that they're worthy. Um, they say to people, you know, I see you, I hear you. Um, and, and I think that can be transformative. I've seen it happen time and again. So have we. We've seen it too. We yeah. have. Now, we did think it was our charisma, but okay. <laughs> well, you've got that as well. But... <laughs> <laughs> we, we do understand that it's more than that. <laughs> so that is a beautiful, it's, it's a fascinating, Tamsin, because we actually found that quote too, and we were going to ask you about it later in, in this interview. So you went right to it, and that's that's fantastic. So thank you for sharing that, because we do think that it's beautiful and powerful. And uh, that's why we like you, because you see the same things that we do too. We talk often about the depth of relationships being fostered by asking good questions. And that's something that you talk a lot about in your writing and your speaking. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the that. questions that I ask um, in a listening space are called clean questions, um, clean language questions. And um, they were created by a, a New Zealander called David Grove. And there are a, a specific set of questions asked in a particular way. And um, they prevent you as a as a questioner um, from making suggestions and they help to keep you, your assumptions to one side. And probably the best way of giving a sense of them is to, to demonstrate they're being used. I mean, th th there are a set of 12 basic questions, um, but you can go an awfully long way with um, using the two most commonly used questions. What kind of and is there anything else about? There are two sort of two stages to using these questions. You repeat back the words they've used and you ask a clean question. So if someone says to me, for example, um, she was being so frustrating, all you would need to do is just set aside any notions that you might have of what frustrating means, put them to one side, get curious and repeat back their words. And frustrating and what kind of frustrating? Or uh, is there anything else about frustrating? So they're very simple to use and they respect the words that the other person has, has, has chosen. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You're one of the first people that internationally went through our training, our compassionate listening training. And if you remember one of the segments, the, one of the mo modules, we talk about asking good questions and how to not put people on the defensive and how uncomfortable we can make people feel if if they're put on the defensive and feel like they have to justify why they feel a yeah. certain way. And so, yeah, you're essentially making the same yeah, point. Absolutely. It's it's um, I have a, a, a metaphor for um, for holding what needs to happen to hold a space for someone uh, to listen to them in this way. And um, it's like you wipe your feet on a welcome mat, a metaphoric welcome mat. And in so doing, uh, you wipe away any desire to fix or change or analyze. You simply accept um, anything that they say and accept what is said um, in equal measure. Uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, you, you, you welcome them all, uh, all the thoughts and emotions that may arise in that in that space. I think that has a very powerful impact for people. I think it lets them know that they don't need to censor what they're saying. Um, that everything they say will be accepted. And I think it's 
part of helping that person to accept their whole self, to be wholehearted in their exploration. Which is what ultimately and absolutely enables people to to truly be open and vulnerable when they know they're not being questioned, so to speak, or judged or, uh, you know, that we're not reacting to them in a way that that might shut them down. And that's so important for people to know that they have that safety. And that they know that it's about um, exploring their thinking rather than having to come up with solutions. I always start with the question, what would you like to explore? What, what is it about us as people, as human beings, that we so often have a hard time resisting the, the you know, notion of, of fixing people or telling them what to do or, or even judging them? Why, why do you think that's difficult? And, and what happens when we resist those impulses, those those? Notions? I think it's difficult because it, uh, it demands that we sit with our own discomfort. It can be very uncomfortable um, to listen to someone who's in pain, who's suffering. And I, I think very often that pull to, to rescue, to make better, is born of that discomfort that we have in ourselves. And yet when you allow yourself to just sit with that discomfort, and to um, open a space in which all thoughts and emotions are welcome, it makes it so much easier as a listener. I like to use metaphor. It kind of makes a, a tangible, gives, gives tangible this, this sense of, of what you might need to do, you know, wiping your feet. You can just put that to one side. And in one of your books, didn't you talk about how we use something like six metaphors? Yeah, I mean, the literature, the research suggests that we we use metaphors far more commonly than we uh, than we realize, than we consciously realize. A lot of them are below our conscious awareness. Um, and one of the things that's really nice about clean questions is that you can use them to focus on the metaphors that people naturally used to describe their experience. Um, so I'll, I'll give an example. There was a friend who um, talked about feeling of tension all around the top half of her body. And um, so I, I think there was a time where I probably would have said, oh, yeah, I, I get a feeling of like that just myself. And I would have given her some suggestions and said, you know, I found this helpful. And thinking that I was being... Um, supportive when in fact I was bringing the focus of the conversation back to me um but using clean questions I said you know I I said um would you like to explore that a little more I said yeah that'd be great and so um, I asked her some clean questions I said so there's a tension all around the top half of your body um anything else about that tension and she said yeah it's completely around the base of my head right down to my waist and um it's like big iron armor on the outside crushing inwards. Um, it's like made of hard, rusty iron with no give in it. And so the metaphor that she gave gave a really graphic sense of this, her experience. Um, and I repeated back some of her words and asked a clean question and hard, rusty iron with no give in it. Is there anything else about tension? And she said, hmm, yes. And she looked down and she said, yeah, there's a little key right over my heart. Uh, in the middle of my chest and it's sitting in a keyhole and it's saying come on turn me so I repeated back some more and I asked is there anything else about tension and she went on to say that this armor was like impenetrable and the only way to break in was using the key and she started to turn the key right there and then and she said oh god it's just gone ping and the armor's flung open and the heavy metal's fallen to the ground. And she said, I feel really light and open. Um, I can move now. And I asked her to reflect on what she now knew. And she said, well, it's up to me to move the armor. I've got a way in now, whereas before I had no choice. And when I'm feeling tense, I can feel the armor there. I just need to stop, take a deep breath, unlock the armor and let it go. So, you know, just a handful of questions, repeating back her own words, and as if from nowhere, this metaphor appeared. And it was a metaphor that brought a whole new dimension to her understanding of herself um, and, and revealed a solution that was hers. First off, we just 
could listen to your voice and your accent all day long. So thank you for just <laughs> sharing yourself with us here today. This is just great. You, you actually brought up an interesting point there and it's something that we've had to face in our own work. We're not a standard counseling service in that we don't meet people for 50 minutes. Uh, it's more open-ended. We meet in coffee shops or restaurants with folks with someone's we use the word someone to kind yeah. of brand ourselves and the individuals that we work with uh but you you had mentioned earlier in that response about how you know not telling people what to do but at the same time sometimes we found that it, it can be helpful to use our own experiences to form connection and relationships to deepen the relationship has there ever been instances where through your work where you have kind of turned that corner yes i think um it, it, for sure and i suppose it's you know keeping it the work i do as a coach keeping it appropriate um but i think what's nice is that you can um allow for a little bit of clean exploration a bit of listening space um uh, within the context of other uh, holding space for that listening so it may be that you use some clean questions um, in amongst the overall listening that you're doing. I will use it uh, for periods in my coaching or I might use it in this, as in this instance with a friend. Um, and we've obviously shared in many ways, but this was just a, another offering a, a slightly different way of listening. So I think um, both, <laughs> you know, sharing of myself, but also um, asking questions that really help someone figure themselves out. Um, and uh, bring their whole selves to the table. It was interesting. Um, someone wrote to me and said um, that her experience of, of being listened to in this way, um, she said it's, it's like a, a kind of um, framework to nurture and uh, a deep and special kind of speaking and listening, and one that invites the whole person, body, mind, and soul, to come forward and speak up. And I thought that was a lovely way of describing it. Um, these questions often help you connect with not just your thoughts, but actually what's happening in and around your body as well. It kind of raises a question for me as I'm hearing this is, what's the ultimate goal of listening? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I know that the response that we often give is that the ultimate goal is to know and be known. Yeah. Well, I guess what kind of listening are you referring to? I mean, there was listening in so many different contexts, but listening in a listening space context, I think it's it's a, it, it's giving the, the person the opportunity to know themselves um, and to to tell their own story in their own way um, and to come to know themselves uh, in that way. Um, yeah, so I, I guess it depends on the on the purpose of the listening. The counselor was coming out in you there where you were answering a question with a question. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it starts so much with self-acceptance and um, awareness of self. I, I have, um, I'm, I think you know the, the metaphor for, uh, that I use for the book that I've written. And uh, it's that of a, a, a lighthouse of mindful exploration. So um, I've brought the principles of mindfulness to exploration using clean questions. This lighthouse takes you on a journey. Um, first, anyone is welcome to enter this building. But there are a few things that you need to do before you enter. And uh, one of the first thing you need to do is wipe your feet on the welcome mat, as we've already uh, talked about. And there's a key. The door is locked, but there's a key to the right of the door, the key of curiosity. So anyone can enter the door, but you need to come in with curiosity um, and notice the bricks from which this building is constructed, clean bricks. And the first floor, the first room that you enter is all about being with yourself, um, because I think that it's about coming to um, accept your experience in any one moment, to be present to what's happening for you, to come to your senses. Um, and uh, through that comes self-compassion. Um, 
that you can then bring out into uh, your everyday life. You talk about self-acceptance. How easy has that been for you, you know, in your own life to to accept yourself, who you are, your thoughts, your feelings, your, you know, just your being? Has that been a struggle? Has it a challenge? Or has it been something that you've found uh, is easy uh, to come to? There have been challenging moments. Um, I think sometimes when you come up against the patterns that you run, um, I know that, for example, that transition from being a sort of nurturing mother to uh, children growing up and needing more of a um, perhaps enabling, uh, freeing kind of mother would. Um, I, I know that that was a transition that brought up emotions for me. And so it was very useful then to be able to explore that through metaphor. Um, but I've always believed that it's very important um, that, 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 that need to listen and, and, and to see for myself and for others around me. I, I remember one of the things that helped me realise how important that was, particularly in relation to family and children, was um, visiting Anne Frank House uh, in Amsterdam. I don't know if you have in the, uh, are familiar with a book written by a Jewish girl who was hidden during the war and, um, and was killed in one of the concentration camps. And her house, you can go and visit where she lived. And it's amazing. Um, and I remember going to see, uh, there was a video of her father who survived. So her mother and her sister and Anne, Anna um, all died. Um, but her father said how he didn't know, even know that she was writing this diary. So the book is her diary. And um, he, so he, someone managed to retrieve the diary. And when he found it, he had no idea that his daughter had such depth of thinking. He was, he'd always seen her as being rather frivolous. Um, and I thought, what, what, a, um, how important it would be to, to, to really take the time to stop and listen and to know my children. And so I think, um, I don't know how that links with your question, but I think it's, it's really, that really influenced me and helped me realize the importance of it because I thought to be in that situation and not realize until too late and yet he did have her diary you know what a, what a what an amazing gift what an amazing thing to be given that's a powerful story when you when you when you share it like that and and we are familiar with uh, her diary and, and and her story and and that is absolutely a place i think both of us would probably love to visit one day mm. and um you know to, to to just understand what what so many people you know went through during that period yeah uh, but but how do we yeah be be the kind of people who really truly listen to one another and yeah and are and are able to come to know one another in in deeper yeah in deeper and more intimate ways that that only enrich our yes. lives our lives yeah. and, our, and our relationships with one another yeah uh, we 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 always struggle with this this whole concept that so many relationships that we as human beings have are very shallow and don't yeah. have a lot of depth uh, because we we often just don't take the time and do the and and, and listening well is hard work uh, partially because of what you you said earlier about it's like what we hear yeah and because of some of the things that people may share, you know, it can be very uncomfortable for us. Mm. And um, just because, you know, it's painful. Yes. And to, but, but to find a, a place where we are comfortable with that. Or, yeah. Or, or able to, to step into it and live with it and be okay. Yes. Lovely. At one point, you've used this quote. It actually comes from Winnie the Pooh. Uh, by the classic yeah. British author, uh, where you say that life is a journey to be experienced, not a problem to be solved. Yeah. And what what is it about that statement that captures your attention and resonates with you? Obviously, it resonates with us because the title of our first book was Sharing Life's Journey. And that's a message we want to convey as much as possible, that we're in this life together. 
what really brings it home to me is if you change life to I, and I am on a journey to be experienced, I am not a problem to be solved. It For me, it suddenly made it even clearer. Um, you know, it's not just life as a concept, it's me. You know, I, I this is my journey, this is my story. And, um, and, and I'm not a problem. <laughs> I may have problems, but I am not a problem. And I think it's, it's, there's something about, um, you know, uh, being with yourself, uh, not fighting it, not suppressing it, not rejecting it, but, um, welcoming, welcoming your whole self and, um, and seeing how your journey unfolds. How did yeah. you become so wise? <laughs> that, that is... I don't know. I had to think about that question because you, you presented to me. I thought, that quote really resonates with me. But hang on a minute. <laughs> oh, my God. My question. And then when I thought about me, yes, it suddenly made sense. Maybe for our listeners today, you could talk about some tips that you've learned along the way in your own well-being. The thing that really enhances my well-being and um, is is that I now have people who will listen in a way that really enable me to do my own thinking in my own way. So even I'll, I'll give an example. In preparation for this interview, I thought, oh God, it's nerve wracking. There have been some really um, influential people you've interviewed and someone held a listening space for me this morning. And um, and I identified that there was apprehension. Um, and and so I explored a little bit around that what that was and and where the feeling was, and then they held the space a little bit more longer, and I was able to identify a feeling of joy. And I thought, well, actually, what works better for me is there's real joy in sharing this stuff and and in being listened to in this way. And there was a sort of glow around my heart, and I thought, well, if if I could express how I wanted to, it would be like this this glow just coming out in the words that I expressed and they would become like musical notes, um, all reds and oranges and yellows. And I honestly think that being listened to in this way um, has a huge difference, makes a huge difference to my well-being because it helps me connect with a much more resourceful, uh, from the heart kind of um, perspective. And there is another uh, um, aspect of, of, I suppose, a, a clean mindset, which because I'm much more aware of the assumptions that I'm making around a situation and it enables me to question them more. So I'm able, better able to separate out what's actually happening from the meaning that I'm making of it. And so when someone says something that might make me feel a bit vulnerable or um, might, um, uh, I, I can then sort of take a step back and think, okay, so what's actually happened? And what are all the thoughts and feelings that I have associated with that? And there's some sort of separation that comes with that that can be really helpful. You mentioned the word vulnerability in what you were just saying, and, you, and you've written about vulnerability a lot, and you were just very vulnerable. In, in your answer right there. And could you just talk a little bit more about why vulnerability is so meaningful, you believe, and, you know, and, and, you know, why? I think one of the things that really had an impact for me in relation to vulnerability is um, the work of Brene Brown, and she talks about her shame research. And um, I loved what she said about it. And I thought, actually, it, it helps me understand why it's so important to allow yourself to be vulnerable. She says that people who feel worthy have one thing in common. They believe that being vulnerable is neither comfortable nor uncomfortable. It is simply necessary. And she goes on to say, and I love this, no matter, these people are able to work, wake up in the morning and think, no matter what gets done and how much is left undone, I am enough. They're able to go to bed at night thinking, yes, I'm imperfect and I'm vulnerable and sometimes afraid, but that doesn't change the truth that I am also brave and worthy of love and belonging. And she calls that living wholeheartedly. And 
and she's really helped to unpick that relationship between self-worth that comes from an ability to be vulnerable. And I have a metaphor um, for for allowing, for finding a space, I guess, or for having times in our life where you're um, able to remove the armor. I mean, we 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 tend to armor up against vulnerability because we see it as being painful. We see it as being um, uncomfortable. Um, and yet, when you realize it's vital, when you realize how important it is. I think having a place where you can remove the armor, and I, I talk um, in the in the book about um, the, the flak jacket of perfection. I, um, I don't know if everyone knows what that means, but it's like um, you know the, the the security guys who wear a flak jacket, a shield of safety, you know, almost like a, a kind of riot police, um, and and a visor, and and we we have this sort of flak jacket of perfection that we present to the world um, to fend off criticism and uh, uh, presenting a way of being that we think or we should, we ought to be. Um, we have this shield of safety, like a barrier to kind of engaging that protect us from rejection and loss, um, a barrier to in, in engaging with in relationships, in work projects, you know, for fear of failing possibility. Um, and, and a visor of certainty that we wear, you know, a helmet that we pull down the visor that says, this is the right way to see it. Um, it, it sort of, we, we delete and distort uh, things that we see to fit in with our model of the world, um, to make things comfortable for us, so, so that we can hold dogma, so that we can say, this is, this is a good way of doing things. This is a bad way of doing things. This is the right way to be a parent. This is the wrong way. Um, and I think that when you can remove that armor in a safe space, um, it allows you to connect with with vulnerability, um, and and I think it allows you to connect not only with yourself, starting with yourself, but then to connect with greater richness with others. Um, I talk in the in about in the lighthouse of of, um, of mindful exploration that you know the, the, there's this ground floor of being with yourself because that's the starting place that's the place where you allow yourself to be vulnerable in a safe way. Can I move up the uh, up the lighthouse to the next floor? Absolutely. <laughs> Is that please, allowed? please go. <laughs> you, you have the you have the floor. Um, Take us there. <laughs> okay, so there's 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 various floors to this building. And um, so the next floor is about metaphor, and we've already mentioned about metaphor. So in, in that floor, there's lots of fun ways of coming to understand how, how important metaphor is, how powerful it is, um, and how, um, how beautiful it can be when you come to know yourself through, through the metaphors, when you come to explore the metaphors that you naturally use to describe your experience. Um, and then you go up a floor, bringing the principles of knowing yourself as a listener and having tuned your uh, attention to metaphor um, to the second floor, which is about being with others and holding a space for uh, others to um, be vulnerable, to remove their armor. Yeah, we just really appreciate your level of vulnerability today. And I could absolutely resonate with the jitters heading into this podcast today. Uh, you've read our books and you realize <laughs> you've probably read that I have always had a fear of public speaking. And even though I've done it hundreds of thousands of times now, there's still just always butterflies. Even this past Sunday, Michael and I spoke in a church, which we get the privilege of doing often, mm. and three services. And I, I, I shared that mm. with the audience. And it's just been a big evolution in my own life and in my own story personally, where I've just been more and more comfortable with who I am. And I can be comfortable with the fact that I have jitters when I am public speaking. Mm -hmm. And it, it is very, very freeing. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. is about just knowing myself and just being comfortable with how I'm wired and how I've been created. Yeah. So. We actually showed a, a clip, which you would have probably appreciated on Sunday at this Nothing. church from the movie, The King's Speech. Have you ever seen it? 
Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, and there's just this incredible scene that we referenced in our sermon where King George is about to be crowned in his coronation ceremony. Yes. And we wrote about this in our first book. And it's just the scene I've always resonated with the most as somebody who always has jitters like King George, who was kind of thrust into this role where he was going to be a public speaker and a public voice. And yes. since he was a child, stuttered. And he, as you would remember in the movie, started meeting with the speech therapist, Lionel Logue. And there's this powerful scene where he is in Westminster Abbey, where we both have been. And uh, I'm sure you've been there many times yourself. Mm. And he's with Lionel Logue and Lionel says says to him in in kind of a tense moment, you know, why should I listen to you? And he screams at Lionel Logue because I have a voice. I have a right. Yes. And yes. Lionel Logue responds, yes, yes, you do have a voice. And and yes. we reference the fact that many historians say that that was a turning point in King George's career. Yes. And um, it, it is just because he was comfortable with who he had been created to be. And he didn't need to be like all the other kings. It's making me think of um, a lot of the coaching work I do. I, I, I work for an organization that coaches um, adults with neurodiversity in the workplace. And so uh, working with a lot of people with dyslexia, for example. And it's so easy to um, to just see the challenges and the struggles for the people that I work with. And yet when I go in, it's also about shining a light on the strengths not deleting the strengths and and that and and coming to understand uh, themselves in a in a different way and and it can make all the difference not just to see i don't know the 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 nerves about public speaking or whatever it might be for them but by definition there are strengths in there and you know and and how can we how can, how can you make sure that you don't delete those don't um yeah, push. How can you bring them so that they shine? Yeah, that's something we're always trying to do with people and uh, to remind them of their strengths, to remind them, as you, you mentioned earlier, that they matter, mm. that they have gifts, yeah. that there are things about them that are just wonderful uh, and that the world needs. Yes. And so many of us don't recognize our own gifts. Yes. And we don't recognize gifts in others probably as well as we could. <laughs> that we do see quick more quickly what's wrong, you know, what's what's less than great. And we tend to focus on those things about ourselves, about one another. And yes. uh, you know, we 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 try hard when we speak, when we're when we're listening to take a different approach, you know, that that approach of seeing what is good, what is right. Uh, what is a gift and and trying to highlight yes. that with people because they so we most of us so often hear uh, those kinds of you know things about us the you know the the strengths and the gifts um, you know that we, we we're not often told that enough yes and we don't we don't realize it enough and there's a quote that reminds us then of a, of a quote that you have that you have shared uh, by the American poet uh, and children's book author Joan Walsh England uh, who, who wrote that a bird does not sing because he has an answer he sings because he has a song mm. that's beautiful mm. and we love, love that it. and we believe that all of us have a song to sing and many you know many songs to sing and that, and that to us is the whole goal of also listening. Yes. To, to listen to the songs and to acknowledge them and affirm them. And there's so many such such beautiful songs out there when you just give that quality of listening. It, it's it's so enriching. I I'm enriched by hearing other people's songs, hearing the stories they have to tell. You know, they speak to universals in all of us so often. Yeah, maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. What What is the role of accepting who we are play in our lives and our, our well-being? Well, I'm thinking, I mean, just linking back to what you were saying about how often we, it's, it's very easy to look at the, um, you know, the, the ways in which others may fall short. But I think that the more that we can 
<coughs> excuse me, connect with ourselves and accept every aspect of ourselves, the, the, the side of ourselves that's frightened of public speaking, the side of ourselves that is vulnerable about initiating a conversation, whatever it might be. In my experience, that that accepting the, the warts and all um, is what makes us able to accept in others as well. And, and accepting, you know, accepting enables you to see more clearly, to be present with what's actually happening now um, in this moment and um, accepting your experience of the situation that you're, you're in. You might not accept the situation per se, but at least you accept that this is how you are ex experiencing it. It's, there's, a, there's a sense of um, kind of stepping into, into your skin, um, of, of coming to be at home in yourself um, because of all of you, not just part of you, because of everything that makes you, you. That, that concept of being at home with ourselves is one that has come up in other podcasts we've done. So you you are echoing uh, what, what we're finding actually to maybe be a theme. Yeah. Uh, that, that those who value value the impact of listening, value the impact of, of vulnerability and getting to know ourselves, getting to know one another on deeper, more intimate levels, that, that of being at home. Um, can you say more about that? Because... We think that that's an important concept for all of us to understand more. I think that being at home is very closely to, I mean, the metaphors we use around home, being at home, home is where the heart is, um, at home in your own skin. Um, I think that there's a very close relationship between being comfortable in your own skin, being uh, in your body um, and um, because that's what you bring with you everywhere if you can be at home in your body you can be at home in it, it's not dependent on where you are um, you, you, you bring that with you wherever you go um, and it's about noticing uh, also when you're not comfortable in your body um, I, a lot of the questions, the way of questioning in a listening space is about um, bringing someone's attention to their embodied experience, um, what's happening in or around their body. Um, so I, I think this is a very, a very close relationship between how we feel in ourselves and our notion of home. What would you want to say to people today who are listening who maybe don't feel at home? I think it's about allowing yourself to be, allowing yourself to be uncomfortable, comfortable, whatever it is in that moment. It's allowing yourself to, um, for, for this experience that you have right now, uh, to be, to, to bringing your attention and being present to your experience with awareness without judging it. And I think the more that, that that becomes a practice, I think, and it's um, it, it, the more that that happens. So not trying, not 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 trying to be something, not trying to be at home, rather just noticing and noticing what's happening in and around your body. Notice uh, what your experience is, um, because I think over time with that comes acceptance, um, greater acceptance, uh, simply because you are, um, you're, you're not uh, trying to reject a part of you. You're not trying to push away, uh, suppress. It, it's allowing, even in a very private way, um, however you do it, it's, a, it's allowing uh, all of that to be there within you. That's such a great point. And that as I'm listening, I'm reflecting back on my comment earlier about public speaking or whatever it is for anybody that makes them feel especially vulnerable, how important it is that we can just embrace who we are 
as a tr- as opposed to trying to be somebody we're not. And I know in my own journey, part of this acceptance has happened because I've been surrounded by people who just allow me to be who I am and I don't have to yeah. be somebody else. Yes. And how how vital that is for all of us. And it really does start with listening. You know, I think yeah. absolutely at the top of the list for me is between my my wife, Sarah at home and, and also Michael has been my best friend and they've just listened well and allowed me to be who I would say I've been created to be. And that just being comfortable in my own skin. That's mm. that's essentially what, what was happening for King George in that scene is that was the first time he just embraced who he was. He didn't need to be somebody else. And yes. that is a transformational thing for all of us. And we can get to that place. Absolutely. And allowing um, and, and noticing the things that you say about yourself and the difference between uh, having noticing the identities, the labels that you give to yourself you know, uh, I am strong, I am caring, I am whatever. Um, actually, uh, I, I can be strong and sometimes I'm not. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't need to be that it's always. I, I, I can, sometimes I make mistakes. That doesn't mean I am bad. That's right. It's important to, it's important for all of us to remember those things. Um, yeah, we, we do, if we do make a mistake, we tend to think automatically that means we're bad, that we are a mistake. Uh, and, and that's not the case. And isn't it that, that all of us, we just want to, again, we believe we all want to be loved. We, we want to know that we're accepted and acceptable, that we, you know, that we, that we do again, that we do matter, that, uh, we, yeah. you know, we, we have meaning and, and purpose in this world and this life and, and isn't you know yes. i think we believe that that's what that's why we exist to try to show people that and to to pass that message along so that everyone knows that uh, i know tamsin that you have uh, you know as we we're preparing for this interview you'd you'd ask if you could do an exercise yeah for the listeners and we think before our time might run out that, that maybe we should do that okay because we love that idea we love that idea and we would love for people to to just hear and experience uh, some of the things that you that you do okay so um what i thought might be nice to do is is an activity um called choose an object and it's a it's a way of exploring something through metaphor and it uses the clean question is there anything else about um so i, I don't know who's willing to uh, do some exploring um, either Tom or Michael, I, I don't know who would like to, but I'm, I'm just going to invite you to think of a something that that at this moment you'd find some value in placing your attention on. Michael just lost in rock, rock, paper, scissors, so I think he wins. Ah! Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I didn't know we were playing that game, but okay. Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> so I mean, it's a lovely, what is, it's a lovely kind of mindful um, exercise and you can ask these questions of yourself um, but um, but it's quite nice if you've got someone else to ask you the questions so that they can repeat back some of your words and you have witness you know you have someone sharing that exploration so okay Michael you lost the rock paper scissors <laughs> if there was something that you'd like to explore and you don't even have to share it you know, something that, you know, might be that's happening in your life that might be nice to place some attention on. OK, sure. OK, so um, thinking of that thing, just take a moment to pause and um, tune into your breathing. Your experience right now being present to yourself, your body and gradually bringing your awareness to the room around you and looking all around you. Choose an object that represents in some way this issue that you'd like to explore. Taking all the time you need to do so. Okay. I, I, I have it. I have it. Yes. Okay. Can you show me what the object is? Well, uh, do you, do you want me to tell you the situation? Uh, if you want to, if you want to, yeah. For the last, well, 
definitely intensely for the last month, but uh, but even longer since I've known about this going to occur. Um, my a month ago, a little over a month ago, my wife had extensive heart surgery. Okay. And that surgery and the aftermath has changed our lives mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways. There are a lot of accommodations we need to make as she recovers. There are a lot of things that we need to do differently, a, a, lo um, a lot of mm -hmm. vulnerability that, that, we, that we have to have in, even within our home uh, be, because of this. And so there, that's uh -huh. the situation, you know, and... Um, so, so part of me, uh, well, not not part of me, all of me wants to, uh, of course, be very supportive of my wife and and very and helping to be a uh, a wonderful caregiver for her and to enable her to get healthy, okay, and to be stronger and and for our lives to to uh, you know continue to to only grow. We hope uh -huh. better. Uh -huh. So that that's the situation. The object is, and I hope this is okay to use this as an object, but I'm looking at Tom. <laughs> okay. Uh, because, because he has been through this with me uh -huh. uh, the, the whole time and been very supportive okay. and accommodating of, of the time that I need to take and the energy that I need to give uh -huh. and the the just the accommodations that, that, that have to that have to happen in order to make my caregiving and my support of my wife possible, but also to be faithful as well to our work and our mm -hmm. mission, someone to tell it to, to, to keep things going mm -hmm. and not, and not put all of it on him, uh, by himself. And, um, so I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And this, um, and Tom is the object and, um, very supportive and gone through this with you faithful to your work and accommodating is there anything else about what drew you to tom i really think it's primarily because i have he has enabled me not to be alone in the part that i need to play in this journey okay that someone with whom i can just say how i feel mm -hmm. and be very vulnerable about about all of that and um, and I think that safety is mm -hmm. extremely important. Uh -huh. So the safety and vulnerable and say how you feel and enabled you to be alone, not to be alone. And is there anything else about what drew you to Tom? Uh, hmm. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. I'm sure we could continue. Uh, that's that's what's first coming to mind uh, for for me, uh -huh. and, and I guess the another aspect of it might be that I mean this is the kind of work we've committed to, uh -huh. uh, you know, for with someone to tell it to, and our listening, and and our and teaching, or helping people to learn to listen better, and we want to be able to embody it. You used the word embody earlier, yeah, and. We don't want it to be just simply an academic exercise, but we okay. want it to be real. That we want to, we want to model what we talk uh, about and what okay. we say we are about. And I think us being able to literally practice it, um, especially intensely, uh, this la this last month or so. But we've done it all along since the very beginning of us working together. Uh huh. And since we, since we've even before we began, someone to tell it to created it that we 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 were doing that for one another. And and now we get to do it, and it's a complete privilege. It's as we say, it'd be mm. a sacred mm -hmm. privilege that we get to be part of, and and to be able to model it. Yeah. Um, is 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 very. I hope, I hope that that is something that can show people how it can work, how important it is mm. uh, to have those kinds of relationships in our lives that allow us to do that. Mm. Model it, and a sacred privilege, and embody it, mm. and vulnerable and safety, and. 
is there anything else about what drew you to Tom <laughs> in this in, in, in relation to this? <laughs> I'm looking at him right now, and now you know he's laughing. And and um, um, are you expecting him to say something, Tim? Yeah, yeah. Is there something you want me to say here? <laughs> no, it just it's just an open question. Just wondering if there's anything else, and there may not be. I, well, the, I'm sure that I'm sure that we could continue down this road a long way, and that there probably are. I think, I I think what's really one thing I could say is that. Uh, with him, he enables me, and I hope I do the same with him, to be completely um, open and vulnerable and to be able to share my frustrations and fears and, you know, the things that that might, that might that sometimes are messy and ugly. Uh, because we do put on armor. All of us put on armor. And mm -hmm. we don't want people to see those kinds of things because they might not like us for, mm -hmm. for seeing them. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I can, I feel that I can be, I can be messy and ugly and, mm -hmm. and just, uh, you know, not always, not always perfect, <laughs> never perfect actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that, that, that's a free, that's a real freedom mm -hmm. to be able to do that and to, to be enabled to um, mm. to have that freedom and messy and ugly <laughs> and yeah. enabled yeah and freedom and yeah. what do you know now about all of that well i think by verbalizing it in this way uh one of the things that first the thing that first comes to mind is, is how important that being able to be that is to me okay being able to take off the armor um, okay. take off the masks, the, you know, anything that hides me from, uh, the truth is important. Hmm. And would that be an okay place to leave that? Sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a fine place to leave that. Um, so yes, it's, it's, it, it's, I guess Tom became a literal thing, <laughs> but um, in in uh, he's also a metaphor, I guess. You're asked <laughs> to do something to represent yeah. um, the issue that you've chosen. How did you find being asked questions in that way? Actually, uh, uh, very comfortable, hmm. and I, I appreciated them very. You, you continually enabled me to explore deeper and understand it more, and peel back like an onion. Use a metaphor there, <laughs> like an onion. Pull yes. pull back the layers. Just with one repeated question. Yes. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Well, Tamsin, we hope that, and we know, not just hope, we know that's going to be very helpful for anybody who's listening today. And as everything in this hour has been helpful. And again, it's just a delight to know you. And we're so grateful that you were willing to be on our show today. And uh, we just look forward to continuing to foster this global listening movement alongside of you thank you very much for inviting me along thank you we are we have been privileged to know you it was a privilege to talk with you today and and we know that those who listen will feel privileged as well to hear your words your insightful wise words about listening and finding great listening listening space one more thing Blimey. Blimey. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you asked me to get it in there. Yes, and you did. It. And you did. You didn't forget. <laughs> Blimey. Well, everybody who's listening today, thank you for listening to us and the Someone to Tell It To podcast. And uh, please follow us on social media, Someone to Tell It To. Or you can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Go through our website, someone to tell it to.org to learn more. Thanks so much. <laughs>